so I think this looks good. Let's Can I say something? Uh, yeah. And, and please let's let's keep this in uh, the recording. Okay. I've gotten so much shit from people. I complained yesterday about getting a a mid range Windows laptop. Oh my God, I heard that, and it was like a Dell is not a Windows <sighs> machine. I'm like. What? No, no. no oh, it goes on and on and on and on. Okay. Uh, it, I, I, of course, everyone. I know. I could have paid more and gotten a better hardware. <laughs> so, I. <laughs> I, I speaking, audience, you know? speaking of, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> I, I might have said that I blamed it on the Windows ecosystem. You did. <laughs> Maybe I did. You, I did. You okay. Did. Yeah. You're guilty as charged. <sighs> All right. So I should have paid more. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, but, but it's, it raises an excellent point because I think what you, you, you mentioned several problems with the hardware, one of which was like the fingerprint scanner doesn't work. Um, mm-hmm. The thing doesn't actually go to sleep. Uh, you have to reboot it. And my God, like I was just getting hives, like listening to you talk about having a PC again. And I was like, wow, like when I buy it, it's just like, I don't know. I just, I feel, and this is not meant to be an ad for a Mac. It's just like the relative reliability that I come to expect by building well, and, and the closed me, ecosystem just seems to be so much greater. Let me make this very clear because okay. it's one of those times where it's like, I didn't realize that I stepped on a landmine <laughs> and, and, and everyone that's reached out to me, it was like, Brian, you're usually so even handed true. and, and then, you're, so you shit all that. over. Yeah. But, but except for the fact that I've shat all over Apple for having shitty laptops for so long that I'm still using a 2016 Oof. MacBook Pro that I souped up because it was the last one that had ports. Yeah. So I've shat all over WWDC this year, but yeah, I get you until uh, a couple weeks from now. And I've and and in fact I've said that. How many times have I said that I'm finally going to be able to get the the MacBook Pro of my dreams? Because Johnny Ive is dead, apparently. But like, <laughs> so still consulting, from what I hear. But anyways, continue. But the point is, like, okay, so I I I did pay too little for a mid-range Dell. How much Dell. are we talking? Like, are we talking like, like MacBook Air price range or less? Like, no, you um, PC for like 200 bucks now, right? Like it's kind of... Okay, so uh, it, it was because I got this deal that it, it, it was, it's a thousand dollar machine okay. that I got for 800 bucks, right? Okay. All right, so fine. I get it. I get it. But, but my point is everyone that is yelling at me for you're usually so uh, even-handed... It's the first time that I've shat on Windows because I never do that because I don't have a Windows machine. Right. And also, I have shat on (laughs) the MacBook Pro and what what, what Apple has done to their laptops endlessly since this podcast was born. So I'm sorry. I'm not really hurt about it. But everyone that's yelling at me for being uneven... It's the first time that I complained about Windows in the entire time <laughs> that this podcast happened because it's the first time I've dealt with it. And by the way, I have Windows running on my iMac in in parallels. I was going to say, why don't you do that? Well, so it works so much better yeah. <laughs> on my iMac in parallels. It's, really, it's a sad state of affairs. To be uh, there's, there's two or three different reasons why I, I did it. And mainly, I wanted Penny to be able to do the mods on my right. So anyway. Right. Um, all right, keep that all in. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got it whether you want to use it or not. Um, and I'm happy to get started. We've got actually a lot more. You were like, oh, today's dead. There's like no news. And I was like, hmm, we've got actually a good oh. show today. So um, you want me to kick it off? Uh, you, you, you're the host. 
I think so. I think I'm still the host. Um, anyways, okay. So welcome everybody. Today, what is today? Today is Wednesday, June 2nd, June 2nd. 2021. Um, my name is Chris Messina. I am the co-host of the Tech Meme Ride Home Experience. We come to you periodically, perhaps weekly, maybe bi-weekly. I can't tell the difference. Um, uh, basically, to unpack and talk about the week's greatest or most interesting or most impactful uh, tech stories. And um, typically, this comes out of Brian's show, the Tech Meme Ride Home Show, which is a daily podcast. Um, and we try to unpack those things, put these things in a greater context, and just have a conversation about them. Um, today, we actually have a few interesting conversation pieces. Uh, that's a little meta. Um, one, Facebook held their developer conference today, which was called F8 Refresh. I don't know exactly where that came from, um, but it's sort of like Apple spring-loaded. Like, I don't know if this is like a, a thing that is a, a mnemonic that's being added, um, but we have that. That's a conversation that we're going to have. Um, and then a little later on, we're actually going to bring up Eric, uh, who is from tomorrow. Um, not from tomorrow, but today, yesterday, Twitter announced a new service, uh, which is the weather service, um, that is bringing together, essentially, it's kind of like a paywalled meteorologist on demand type of thing. He's going he's gonna to school us about that and how I'm wrong, but it fits into the whole sort of narrative around the passion economy, creator economy, and what's happening there. And so there's a lot of really interesting stuff to unpack there. And then there's one more bonus story, which we might get to, um, which pertains to the just announced acquisition of Stack Overflow. Um, but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves. I think we got enough to, to talk about it there. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna break protocol. I'm gonna bring up Emil because he's requested this. Um, I'm also gonna add. I'm gonna invite Eric to speak, even though if you know he doesn't want to, that's cool too. We're just gonna kind of like be experimental. Oh, and of course, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. The most important thing, well, not the most important thing, but a very significant thing for us, um, is to talk about the launch of Spacecasts, which, you know, this is a little bit meta, and I don't want to turn this into a, you know, you must talk about Clubhouse on Clubhouse kind of thing. But we did launch um, publicly yesterday with a few shows, and I think it sort of is worth going into a little bit about that experience um, and about what we learned and what we're trying to do um, with this this broader idea. And then... Once we get through some of the news, because it's important that we actually, you know, do the service that you're hiring us for, um, Brian was just kind of, I think, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you were either blown away, impressed, or just sort of like aghast or gape, I'm not sure which, uh, about whatever it is that I do to do the things that I do. And rather than him just sort of like, you know, asking me questions, we were like, well, why don't we just put that in the show? And then maybe other people will also learn. Because frankly, I have no idea what I do. I just kind of like, you know, mash buttons. Work, like moment, work. you know? Sort of workflow sort of stuff. So we'll, yes. we'll save that to the very end. But um, I, I am embarrassed uh, how, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as tech savvy as I thought I was. And uh, <laughs> the guy that like, you know, so. runs the, the tech meme ride home show, I just yeah, you know, even like, think. But nonetheless, you know, different skills, different, you know, daily, uh, daily thing. It's, it is interesting to just know the parts of our brain that each of us, you know, I don't know, Occupy spends time and then you like encounter someone else. You're like, how did you do that? So I have those experiences all, right. all the time. Anyways, let's, let's so, get into it. What are, we, what are we doing first? Then? <laughs> you forgot. I need to refresh your brain because we're going to talk about F8, um, the Facebook ah. developer event. So, uh, you know, I, I want to start out by um, talking about, I suppose maybe it's form or presentation um, because we have a few different examples now of how big multi-billion dollar tech companies decide to put on a show. 
And I'm glad you're saying this. Yes. Because I got to say, man, someone phoned it out, phoned it in, uh, you know, on the Facebook side. And I, I, in some ways I want to, you know, hold back because I've actually talked to some of the folks on the team today and, you know, they were gracious and willing to chat. Um, and, you know, maybe it's because they're putting more of their energies and their efforts into the tech itself, but I don't know. But if we do a real quick rundown of what we saw from Apple's spring-loaded event to Google I.O. to Snapchat's event, you know, their partner summit to today's Facebook event, I got to say, I feel like this was like planned in a weekend you know, over some beers and it's, <laughs> some people recorded it's, some zoom calls and, and, you know, over portal and called it a day. Emil, I'll, I'll let you take it uh, in a second, but um, like literally I can't remember what happened at IO. Um, I, I, AI, AI, I, AI, that was the message, right? There's that. And then today with Facebook, it's like, Oh, by the way, um, businesses, you can message people. Um, is so my my first it, question would have been and, better if they instead of saying refresh they said Redux and they just kind of replayed Facebook F eight from five years ago like when bots <laughs> was all the rage that would have actually been the exact same content. I would I would my 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 initial question to either of you or to anyone uh, on the on the stage uh, is is this just a sort of um, hangover from COVID times. Like, uh, I, I know that they've had a whole year and more to like build up things to do, but is it just that they don't have a lot to announce and a lot to tell us and a lot to excite people with or something? God, it is a great question. You know, I, first I want to say that the, the, okay. What, what, what they announced today has been a long time coming. Like literally it is, oh shit, we're going to be broken up by antitrust. We need to unify the messenger backend. And this is going to be the future of our business because we're competing with Apple for iMessage. Like to me, that's essentially, you know, what the strategy has been. And today they- I, 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 I want to interrupt you already. I want to interrupt you already. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do Facebook first. All right. So yeah. it's funny that, that um, what, uh, Twilio comes up when you and I talk more than it ever comes up on the actual podcast. Huh. But like- um, what I heard today was it's not just that they're going after Twilio. Okay, all right. My thought you got coming out for me is yep, okay. Okay. My thought coming out of this today is that antitrust is going after Facebook and maybe they'll try to um uh unravel the Instagram uh acquisition and all these things. But what Facebook is actually doing right now is they're going after Shopify. Shopify. Because hmm. what are the two things that Facebook hmm. cares about right now okay. is 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 creating these marketplaces and creating these sort of platforms for businesses to not only transact you you can get into that with the 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 blockchain stuff but then also like this messenger API stuff and all this it, it's it's basically we're we're going to be the layer in between you and all of your customers, and also maybe hopefully we'll also be the um, the payment layer between you and all of your customers. So maybe they're going after Stripe too. So I, what I what I the only thing that I took away from what was a very boring event today <laughs> was that um, while antitrust is looking at things in the past, Facebook is doing things in the future that like you know antitrust probably isn't paying attention to. Uh... I don't know that, that, that feels like, I don't know, in the face of it, that feels a little bit off because at the end of the day, Facebook is still building products for people and they need people to continue to use those products. And increasingly, I feel like, you know, they've moved in this direction of conversational commerce, um, hashtag ching, um, 
because that's where like their their business opportunity lies. You know, like they can only throw so many ads in the feed. And there's only so many businesses that are willing to pay for ads that have increasingly, or I would say decreasingly decreasing effectiveness in terms of converting customers. And so this is the second half of the equation. Like one of the big things that they're talking about is putting up ads that convert into a messenger channel that then creates a connection to the customer that then allows you to convert them into a sale. So it's completing that flow that was necessary. And so what I'm talking about with the antitrust thing is something that's known as the messenger unification. So what this means is that they're essentially moving what were three disparate messenger backends, Instagram, WhatsApp, and messenger, and unifying them under one shared infrastructure. So one, like this doesn't feel like the major purpose, but it lowers a whole lot of cost and complexity on Facebook side. Two, it allows them to commingle accounts and to unify identities from those different platforms in a way that makes it very, very difficult to unravel. So if you were right. to split and, and off when the Instagram you, when, acquisition, the question is, what, is you, what, exactly. what are you actually splitting off once and, and Messenger they, they is specifically, unified? And they also specifically said that today multiple times, like we want one unified um, dashboard, which, which all of SaaS and all of everything from, from um, Salesforce to whatever, like, yes, that makes a ton of sense. That um, if you're buying ads across all of their various things, or you're 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 interacting with your customers, and and you're trying to keep track of, you know, uh, they used examples like um, loyalty cards, and um, you know, um, w- when your um, rebates are up, and things like that. That makes a ton of sense. But what you're saying is, is their their primary goal has been, as we've talked about for several years now, like if we mesh this all together into one node, then it's like, wait, you want us to. Split Split off Instagram. You want us to split off WhatsApp? We can't do that. That that's it. That's all you had, right? Mm. Like the point I was trying to make before we got caught out is last year there was no F eight, so you'd think that there would be a little bit of a pile of things. That like really your developer story is the messaging thing that you've been talking about for the last mm-hmm. you know three F eights. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. That's all you're telling developers. Uh, I get that Oculus is kind of it has its own events now, and they did just hold like an Oculus gaming event. Mm-hmm. But you, you, th- and you know, they did some AR filters or whatever today, but still odd. Like it's, you know, they cut it down from two days to one. They didn't give Zuckerberg a keynote. Maybe they know that, you know, developers aren't really thrilled with them as many, many mm-hmm. uh, power users aren't thrilled with them. So I think that probably played into it a little bit, but it's still odd. Like it's still something doesn't add up. And I'm wondering if, It'll yeah. become clear, you know, in the next few months. I don't know how odd it is. I just wonder if there's other shoes to drop if all of these companies are holding on to things. Um, and uh, Chris, I don't know if you have any insight into that. Oh uh, and, and, and also, any developers that want to raise their hand that that develop for the Facebook platform or whatever, like, are we disappointed? Are we like, what the hell is going on? What I heard you guys say was sort of bring up one. Zuck was kind of like MIA. You know, he wasn't like Jack being in some remote island place and living his best life. Um, and that was kind of interesting. Um, the fact that Zuck had such a small role and that Adam Aseri also wasn't there also was like, is there or was there fires burning where they couldn't participate in this? Because that, uh, like, again, if you think about the the shows or the developer events that I mentioned, you know, from Google to Snapchat to Apple, yeah. the execs you know, that were present were like, you know, the top execs. 
So the fact that those two weren't there was very interesting. Um, I don't know that it's telling because Masseri has, you know, been head of Facebook newsfeed for a long time and obviously is one of Zuck's top lieutenants, but the, the overall shift in strategy for what Instagram is and what it is becoming and what WhatsApp is becoming and what Facebook, you know, is going to be from a commerce perspective, um, I think is really significant. And the fact that you didn't have, you know, the, the sort of head of the ship who owns more than 50% of the company speaking to the direction of where they're going was to me like confusing unless Zuck is so toxic that they just don't want to put him out there. I just, I, but, I, I don't but so, so going on toxic there. to, so toxic to developers? No, well, I mean, toxic to the whole Facebook brand. Like one of the things mm. that, that I noticed, you know, and, and uh, I pointed this out in whenever, tw- tw- 2017 or something, the way that Amazon presented um, their suite of voice assistant products in a very sort of, you know, Walmart friendly kind of vibe relative to, you know, Apple being the maker of jewelry. Facebook execs more than any other, I don't know, event, like vibey thing presented children. Like they presented their execs as parents. They presented this soft, fuzzy, we're people too. And we're helping small business kind of thing, as opposed to a Microsoftian, you know, we're going to, you know, cut you and slice you and destroy you. And that, all of that just speaks volumes, just from a corporate communications perspective. Have you heard from, from devs that, are, have noticed that and are, are like WTF. I just, I, Oh, that actually, thank you for bringing that up that uh, I will answer your question first. And then I will say something related, which is I haven't talked to that many devs. Uh, I've talked to a few who are building on specifically the messenger and the Instagram API. Um, I would say that the fact that they tried to spin this as getting back to their roots, getting back to the developer community. Like I, this felt so confused and so off base and the developers that they're talking to aren't the same developers that Zuck grew up with. So it's like, he doesn't even know who his audience is from a developer perspective, right? Like these aren't APIs <laughs> well, yeah. that are going to enable the next Cam- like Cambridge Analytica. That would be exciting. That would be interesting. That's like, you know, build shit and like break stuff and let's see where this goes. This was move all of your commerce over to messaging applications because we want to own that relationship and then charge you rent to access your customers. And to your previous point before, you know, I got shot into the the nether regions um, of the internet, it seems like this is not really like, I think Shopify actually plays well with a lot of these guys. Like Shopify has a huge set of customers that really like them. And so Facebook is working with Shopify. I don't think they're competitive with Shopify in the way that you think. I think they're more competitive with Amazon. I think they're more competitive with YouTube. I think they're like trying to figure out what the commerce angle is to get people locked onto their platform so they continue to grow and monetize those relationships. Like the fact that they use the terminology conversational commerce many times and the way actually they're, what, what did they say? They said their goal for um, the vision, I believe of messenger was to make business messaging the primary way people and businesses communicate. So, that's like really significant for, and that was like the top line. That was, um, is it Constantine? Is that his name? Um, uh, Constantine, Constantinos, um, the guy who kicked it off and who's, I guess, head of, uh, maybe the developer platform, um, to have that as their vision and their unifying idea. This was their grand kind of reveal. And to me, this has more to do with Gmail, 
and more to do with um, iMessage and what Apple's going to launch at WWDC, which I think is going to be big mess- like messaging messaging play um, around Apple business chat. Um, so that's where I see this sort of, you know, happening. And to me, this is, I don't know, you know, I always go to like the 300 movie where you kind of look out over like this vast sea of these three armies coming together. And that's WhatsApp, Instagram, um, and mm-hmm. messenger. And that's what Facebook is deploying to this massive battle over attention and communication. I do want to, I do want to offer again, uh, I said on the show, any developers that are working in the space, um, please raise your hand if you have thoughts on this. Um, I, I do you know? Do you have a, a sense of? You just mentioned that that uh, Apple might be doing some business oriented messaging stuff coming uh, in a, next week or whenever it is. Um, like, so are, do you have a sense that this is? Uh, sort of a defensive like pre- preparation for what other people are doing or I just like, I think it's, it's um, you know, and Zuckerberg has talked about this in the past. It's been on, um, you know, Facebook calls, uh, whatever the um, analyst calls that Apple messaging, like is this uh, kind of social network that they can't like fight against because it's built into the operating mm. system of the phone and that's Facebook's Achilles heel. So, you know, I don't know if you've actually reached out to, and I, I, I highly encourage any, anyone who listens to this to try this, um, to Apple's business chat to get Apple support. It is incredible. It is so good. And if they deploy that to the rest of businesses, it's not that it's game over for Facebook, but it's going to be a very compelling offering uh, f- you know, for people to move away from Facebook. And I do believe that it's Apple's sole desire to annihilate Facebook. And so that's where I see this kind of going. And, and you're, what you're describing is, again, I, I described it as a layer between businesses and their customers. You're saying that you think that, that Apple is capable of doing what I was trying to ascribe Facebook's ambitions as. You know, the one thing that I, I haven't seen yet on Apple's side, but they tend to do this in a very slow, methodical way. And there's a whole, you know, obviously trial going on right now about um, – you know, the, the app stores fees and, and, you know, real world commerce versus digital commerce. But I guess I'll just go back to my experience interacting with Apple's like service, their customer service through iMessage. And it's so good. And let me, let me try to make that a little more clear. Lately, I've been having problems (laughs) again, probably because I'm overtaxing my system with battery life. And so I've been in conversation with uh, Apple, I don't know, genius tech support, whatever for about a month. And I can send them a text message. They send me a, there's a, a link now where I can go and I can actually leave them a little mini voicemail and it goes to the, the tech that I'm talking to. They will respond to me via email. It's an amazing way of getting support for obviously this very expensive device, but nonetheless, no one else offers or comes close to that level of digital care through or initiated by a messaging channel. So Facebook sees this as an opportunity, largely, I think, from what's happening on WhatsApp and Instagram and says, we need to help these businesses that are selling through these channels drive more engagement and actually you know, scale their business up. That's the point of discovery, essentially, where people are going on Instagram, whether it's through stories or whether it's through the feed or reels. 
and they want to ultimately create, you know, shoppable video, shoppable commerce um, that leads to a direct connection between, you know, a fan, a watcher, a consumer, and the business itself, because that creates a long-term relationship between the business and Facebook that those businesses are probably unlikely to want to move away from, especially once you build up the the capabilities of the unique aspects of those platforms. Let me let me try. To- well, once once you have again like the whole dashboard and your whole. Yep. CRM built into it and things like that. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I come back to Twilio again, except for the fact that I'm pretty sure I don't use Twilio. I, I, I don't have a business that does it, but I, I'm pretty sure that they're building out a platform where you it's not just text messaging. It's also, they, I am sure, have a, a Facebook um, uh, or a messenger platform, a, a, a um, uh, WhatsApp platform, all those different things. So, like, they're trying to be that one sort of uh, platform for businesses and things like that. So, maybe everyone's just going after the same thing. Maybe. Um, I just I, like I, I just I don't want to underestimate how long this unification has been in the making, and it just mm. I don't know. To me, it fell flat in terms of the oh wow, like this is really cool. And also, you tried to make this a big developer story but there's not really a big developer story. This is like, go build chatbots, find a chatbot developer. You know, you're going to make money if you're building chatbots now. Yeah, exactly. What if you're a developer that doesn't care about messaging? Like there was nothing for you to do, <laughs> right? And well, so it's, 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 AR or it's messaging. Yeah, but, and, and then the AR thing was, well, we still don't have hardware for you yet, but <laughs> keep thinking about it, you know? Yeah, yeah. So anyways, like it just... It was a bit of a flub, you know, as far as I'm concerned. And listen, as, as you know, this is how the sausage is made, but like, you know, so I, I wrote half the show this morning and then um, left the first half of the show for what I assumed would be um, an event with a lot of headlines. And it happened and I'm like, there's, I don't know what to tell people about, but um, it, it, like, if you literally go to TechMeme right now, it's it's nowhere <laughs> right. on the page. It's like a nothing Stack burger. Overflow. Stack Overflow. <laughs> it's a so bigger conversation. L- let's talk about Stack Overflow if you want to. Okay. All right. And hopefully uh, Eric will come back soon. Um, yeah. So, I mean, for those who aren't aware, um, Stack Overflow is this just, you know, very old school, uh, you know, developer platform where people would go, you know, they would post their questions and they get answers. It was sort of like Quora for developers and the Stack Overflow folks built out a larger network with different verticals um, on different topics. And it seemed to, you know, really, I don't know, you know, with the death of Yahoo Answers created this sort of opening, I suppose. And um, it is really the place where developers go to copy other people's code that, you know, may or may not work and may not, you know, may be insecure, but it like has a huge amount of traffic. Um, you know, I feel like it goes all the way back to like the slash dot days in terms of its, its popularity and use. And so, uh, what, Definitely. what, um, you know, this, let's see the, the acquisition. So a hundred million, uh, monthly visitors, uh, which is a huge amount of traffic. Um, and it's going to be acquired by a company called process, which I've never heard of, which is apparently a European. I tech haven't giant either. And right. 10 cents largest shareholder. Like help me understand that that's 10 cents largest shareholder. And they're buying it for $1.8 billion. Like, what is that? What is going on? Maybe I'll find out more in the morning. But yeah, I have never heard of that company. Um, and and the fact that they're, uh, yeah, uh, tied into Tencent, um, 
it, the, the thing that I, I saw from, from I'm going back to the original journal headline is that this is their first outright acquisition. Oh no, in the educational tech space. Okay, so never mind. Um, they already own Udemy and Code Academy. All right. <laughs> so I need to do some research, but um, I wouldn't classify Stack Overflow as educational tech, but I mean, I guess you could have a very broad definition of educational I can, tech. I can right? see how that you could put that in a bucket to certain people. Right, right, yeah. right. I don't know what to make of it. It's just, it's, it's one, it's a big number. Um, you know, they're, they, they sold for more than Instagram sold, um, you know, and maybe that's just inflation, but this is, uh, I'm, yeah, I can't really tell. I'm reading Joel Spolsky's post on this, um, right now. And it just, there's not a whole lot that I really understand about this. I don't understand why it's going to be relevant for a big tech holding company, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big number. It's, it's pretty interesting. And, you know, again, to your point, if that dominates the news relative to Facebook's F8 conference, <laughs> uh, I'm well, sorry. it's it's Facebook more it's more wrong here. Yeah, it's more relevant to developers than anything they said today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's it's also odd because Stack Overflow had just like just a few years ago tried like really tried to start making money. Um, and I don't know, maybe they they proved that they can do it, and that's why they got snapped up. But it's all like. I would not have expected them to get acquired if I had to pick, you know, acquisition targets for 2021. They would not have been <laughs> right, on, my, right. on my list of like, oh yeah, obviously they're next. Like, <laughs> but I guess in today's market, anyone, <laughs> anyone's up for grabs. Didn't um, didn't Stack Overflow get sold before as well? Like, I feel like they were sold once previously, and there was like a big kerfuffle about it, where the developer community kind of got angry with them. And then it kind of like blew over and it was like, okay, you know, back to work, everybody. Um, this just, I, I don't know. This just seems like a very strange, uh, you know, moment, especially with the relationship to Tencent and I don't know, there's just something there. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, I mean, it could just be a, a simple, you know, hey, they make money, we'll help them keep, make money and keep them independent and it'll be a return on investment. But given how it came out of nowhere, and we've not even heard of this company. Not that we are the bar, <laughs> but yeah, it seems odd for sure. I'll set this up a little bit. Um, so I think this is interesting. This is interesting from the perspective uh, that, you know, I listen to a lot of Prof G's uh, podcasts and shows and, you know, he just sold his stake in Twitter um, and he's been sort of angling for Twitter to acquire CNN, which I don't think makes any sense. But what this seems to be related to is, Providing review, which is the email newsletter service that Twitter acquired earlier this year. Actually, I should. There's another Eric uh, who works on the review team. Maybe I can get him to join us. That would be interesting. 
Oh, is he? Is he? Let's see what, what just happened. <gasps> Eric's here. He's a speaker. Yes, hooray, it worked. Wait, can you... Uh, Welcome. We don't know that. We don't know that. Oh, well, he's listed. Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm here. Oh, you're Eric. Here. Hooray. Eric, go. <laughs> <laughs> what, by the way, what was yeah. happening? Because I just want to. Yeah, I can tell you how to troubleshoot that was yes. I was on my computer instead of on my phone. Oh. So there were more features, more options for me to join as a listener or a speaker on my phone. Oh. So that's, you know, that's so this is the problem where they, you know, they are moving fast, they're breaking things, and then they, you know. Okay, we'll move right along. I should have mentioned that this is a mobile-only experience for recording your audio, but uh, hopefully that will address itself eventually. Yeah, have we mentioned that we're recording this and going to publish it tomorrow morning? So <laughs> FYI, everyone involved, this is being recorded. It'll be published tomorrow. So uh, carry on. Yeah, so so Eric, I just, you know, um, one, congratulations. Um, you know, two, uh, what... I guess like the way that we think about this or the way that we've been talking about this, you know, I I've been following, you know, Twitter for a very long time. Um, I've, I've been on the platform for a very long time and I'm very interested in what they're doing to support, you know, both the creator economy and also in terms of where they see themselves going relative to supporting those things with their own, whether it's, you know, proprietary content or building out, you know, review as a competitor to Substack. Um, and one of the things that I found so interesting and relevant about this strategy you know, we were just talking about how it's sort of like, oh, like Stack Overflow, that's a strange, you know, out of left field kind of acquisition. In this case, meteorology and weather actually makes a lot of sense. You know, in terms of Twitter being the place where you go to find out what's happening, right? I mean, you might not necessarily right away go, oh, weather, but it is the place of what's happening now. And what I understand yeah. or read about tomorrow is this, you know, new platform, and I think it's at tomorrow on Twitter, Um is that you're bringing together a bunch of meteorologists who typically are answering questions that people might have already, you know, through Twitter, whether it's through DMs or app mentions, um, and you'll be offering kind of you know membership or super follows or something along those lines to folks that are wanting to send you messages and find out, God, you know, like is this snowstorm gonna you know blow up my whole you know maybe now it's more like I don't know like. We're, we're entering into fire season here in California soon. So you can imagine the state's going to be on fire soon. So if I have a meteorologist, you know, on call via a Twitter blue subscription or super follow, that seems like actually pretty relevant to the platform. So with all that background, I will, I will step back. Yeah. I'd love to hear, you know, your perspective on this and um, how, how Twitter approached you. Yeah, you've got it exactly, you know, and I think the thing uh, that is about weather is weather is kind of boring until it's the only thing anyone cares about. Right. Like it's like <laughs> when, we when weather makes the news, it, it, it becomes, uh, you know, this is a must have necessity information now. So, and that's where, you know, my DMS overflow to the extent where I can't keep up. Like, uh, during hurricane Sandy and this was 2012, I was working 18 hour days for like 10 days straight. Uh, wow. just to keep, yep. just to keep up with messages of yep. folks. And I grew my Twitter following from 5,000 to 150,000. And this was 10 years ago, right? Wow. So like 150,000 was a lot, a lot back then. I mean, it still is a lot, but, um, but I think that, um, I think that, uh, the way the partnership evolved for us was, um, I had this kernel of idea of, of saying we need to, um, have a middle ground between the sort of dying TV and print uh, media industry and uh, social media, which is kind of like a fire hose of information during these moments. Uh, we need to have sort of this curated local um, 
climate and justice forward um, institution service, you know, mutual aid organization uh, of meteorologists and creators and journalists um, to kind of pool resources during those moments. And it just kind of made sense to approach Twitter for this idea um, because this was um, where I've, I kind of wouldn't have what I have today if it wasn't for Twitter. Like I couldn't have done what I've done the last 10 years if it wasn't for, for Twitter. It just kind of fits weather kind of fits with Twitter. So you're, um, you're, you're saying you approach them? Yeah. Yep. I approached them. And how, how long and, ago? Um, this was three months ago. Mm. Um, it was, it was sort of a short thing that happened. Um, I was really intrigued by the review acquisition and I wanted to sort of figure out if there's a way where everything I wanted to do could live all in one place in one ecosystem. And it kind of felt like they were having the tools. And I think even still, I'm a little bit early. Like I mm -hmm. think that the kind of stuff that, exists on review right now that exists in spaces as we've seen tonight right <laughs> like um um that you know they're also twitter is also launching uh uh twitter communities which is kind of like a facebook groups or group chat type thing um and um you know ticketed spaces and super follows and and tip jars and all that stuff of of monetizing and growth strategies for Get delivering um, necessary content in a curated way that's a little bit more than, uh, you know, uh, 240 characters. Yeah, so let me, um, when, I, when I read this, I, I, you know, look, this is what Twitter has always been great at, which is it used to be, you know, in 1990 when Gulf War One happened, you ran to your TV and you turned on CNN. Yes. Um, the, you know, we still see in movies like when the aliens attack, they they show those shots of people like standing outside of television stores or some shit and like watching right. it happen. Or, or, or like <laughs> even only works even, in movies now, right? Right now, but <laughs> well, but think about like even um, Twitter's, you know. Um, original like the miracle on the hudson thing like people uh tweeting those pictures of the plane in the hudson right so this makes so much sense to me um and what i'm curious about is i see i see the idea of packaging and putting these things together um and 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 you just said that you're trying to figure out the things right away or you're trying to figure mm. out the things the various pieces to put together what I'm curious about is coming in right away as a subscription thing and a subscription thing that's $10 a month. Um, is that your decision? Is that Twitter's guidance to you that that's what they want you to do? Like who's, who's trying to figure out where the, the, the um, product market fit is here? Okay. Well, I think that there has been some misreporting uh, yesterday about this. All, everything is going to be free. Um, the newsletters uh, will oh, be free. Interesting. Um, the spaces will be free. Uh, uh, occasional ticketed spaces for members. We will have the direct Q and A. Um, you know, like we will serve as people's uh, as member paying members. We will serve as their private weather service, basically, and that's that's for the ten dollars a month. So um, ninety percent of what we're we will do will be free. Our, our goal is to grow um, large and quickly um, and to spread 
um, that, um, if anything, I feel like I'm more excited about India and Brazil and, Mm. and like Ethiopia than the U S because there are places where there is not a functioning weather service at all. And I think that, you know, three, three to five years from now, we could end up being, you know, uh, a curated weather service for the entire world. That's my goal. And Twitter could serve as the backbone for that. um, We're not going to get, we're not going to get there by charging every single person that, that shows up. Right. I I love that. Chris, let me do one more and then it's all you, it's all you. Um, so what does that mean? Am I following you? Like, so, okay. We, we, we misunderstood the, the, the subscription thing, but like functionally, if I like this idea, I want to get my weather from you. What am I doing? Am I following your account? Am I, is, am I, where, where, where do I go to make this happen? Sure. We have, um, we have under review, we have, uh, newsletters for each city that we're operating in right now. We have a meteorologist that will be working, developing, um, a daily, uh, written forecast. That's, um, you know, a hundred words that's delivered to your inbox every evening. That will be sort of like the, the, um, the real human behind the, uh, the service. Um, and we're, we're hoping that that will be compelling enough on its own because, um, I think a lot of people want a little bit more than what you can get on your weather app, which is just kind of like temperature and uh, graphic percent chance of rain. But it's nice to know the content behind or the context behind that, as well as having some, um, some, uh, climate reporting along with it. So that's just like, Having daily weather as a news story and as a newsletter is a proven concept. I think the Washington Post Capital Weather Gang is consistently among the top read posts on the Washington Post every single day. And they they write about weather. And, you know, that's behind their $10 a month paywall. So we'll be doing that for free. Um, and then, and then um, you know, if you're a paid subscriber to those newsletters, then that's how you access the, um, the ticketed spaces and the private Q and a have you. So if you go to, if you go to tmrw.is, um, that's our sign up page. Yeah. I was going to say, I've also pinned a tweet. So if you people want to like, take a look at yeah, it, yeah, you can get there. To, yeah. yeah. You can get there there to at if you go to at tomorrow well there's there's a link to sign up to to those cities and we're in 16 cities right now so uh, one of the questions i guess that i have about this um you know is is about i guess uh maybe like the the nature of the relationship and and whether or not to look at the way in which substack has been sponsoring a number of you know writers to join their platform and to do what they do kind of you know there uh versus I guess I don't understand if you were acquired, aqua hired, or what the nature of the relationship is between Twitter and tomorrow. Um, and whether or not you're then doing like product development and helping to flesh that out, or if it's more on the content side. Sure. Yeah. Um, they are helping customize some backend stuff on, for us, uh, at review, uh, some design, um, and some functionality in the, uh, multiple city signups and, in, in like negotiating the whole um, con- um, uh, multiple newsletters, getting them to work together. Um, and they, um, 
but I, this is a completely independent business. I started an LLC earlier this year and this is, you know, I'm a single employee and I'm hiring every, all the meteorologists as contractors right now. I got it. So it's, it's, they're, they're hosting me. Um, and I, I think that the main, I can't speak for Twitter, but, um, I know that main, um, reason that they were excited to partner with us on this is kind of like a proof of technology. Like if, if these folks can do it, then it will show that the potential of all of these um, product creator services working together. Right. And that's, that's kind of exactly where I started from, right? Because, you know, one weather is universal. Literally, if you have nothing to talk about, you will talk about the weather. So great place to start. Right. Second, it is something that is uniquely uh, of, of interest and value to a local audience. And again, I encourage folks to go check out tmrw.is to see the different cities that you can sign up for and get those you know, alerts. And then it also, I think, does an interesting or provides an, uh, an interesting opportunity for the review team to be building out specific functionality that goes beyond perhaps where review has been in the past in terms of what creators need to, you know, both power businesses and also provide value behind a paywall or things like that uh, for, uh, I mean, I guess like the other piece that that's really valuable about what you're doing is from the community's perspective, which of course, Twitter hasn't launched communities, but it's announced them. And we've seen some evidence of those um, for people who are in groups in different parts of the world, then people might come together and it's, you know, it's, Actually, I'm, I'm curious to, th- to hear what you think about this. There's um, a number of different organizing structures within the Twitter super straight. And I would identify those as, you know, being, of course, you know, hashtags being one, topics being another, communities being another. Um, and then, of course, there's maybe like the newsletters or you can follow a person or you can follow a brand. Um, what do you see as maybe being the most relevant way to organize, especially those audience that you talked about um, all over the world who, let's say, don't have that weather service and would be wanting to, you know, get the benefits of tomorrow? Is it that they just, you know, follow the tomorrow account? Is it that they, you know, join a community for their specific locality? I know you can't like speak to, you know, Twitter functionality in the future, but what would be your ideal? Well, I mean, I really think that the drop in audio, um, Ah, is, is, is kind of a, um, you know, when I'm thinking of how weather works in Ethiopia, I keep coming back to Ethiopia because I worked there for five years, um, on a climate change project, but I know what it's like to be out in, uh, the communities there. Almost everyone there has a phone uh, and many of them are smartphones and, they um, are really interested in um, radio uh, because they don't really have the TV services. So I think the audio component of of, yep, totally. uh, of this could really be universal. And you, you could, you know, there's no need for translators. Um, you can just have someone speaking in um, whatever language is there. Um, and we can... We can... Um, kind of meet the moment and that really fits with sort of uh how weather how weather how weather emergencies have always been you know for the last hundred years we've been primarily focused on radio so that's kind of a radio analog there but i think newsletters also is is kind of the way that i've seen you know in the last year or two with substack i think that um 
there will be a lot of um, meteorologists that will switch from from TV to newsletters if the oh. if local TV ends up continuing to buy or or if so, you're successful um, in hiring these folks, right? Yeah, no, and this was the conversation that I um, have had with a couple of funders in the last week or two. Yeah, do you get to be like a weather VC? Been... Can you go like you know? Sorry, continue. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Uh, there, um, the, the conversation was uh, was like, what's the average salary of a TV meteorologist? Um, and what do you need to offer them to get them to work for you instead of work for the TV station? So if we could replace TV weather, which, you know, if you drive around, uh, and almost everyone has this universal experience, like, you remember the name of the a TV weatherman from the town that you grew up in. And like their names are and faces are on the billboards and they tease the weather in between the breaks. Cause they know that that's the only reason people turn on the local news is to get the weather forecast. Weather is the number three, um, at least a few years ago, weather was the number three mobile activity, but behind search and social media. So, uh, and email. So maybe no, number four, but you know, within the top five people check the weather on their phones. Like it is a, it is a primary activity of the internet is to check the weather. So if we can find a way to, to kind of create an ecosystem around that and give uh, meteorologists tools to reach people um, in lots of different ways that aren't currently possible, then I feel like it's a win. Um, not only as a business model, but in this moment of, climate emergency it's a, it's a needed do you, service. do you foresee that what you the, the stat you just cited do you foresee that the weather will become even more important as a result of climate change oh, oh for sure i think it already has been i think starting yeah, with totally. sandy i mean when when sandy hit new york city um i think that was a moment that really you know this is the media capital of the world and and a lot of people's eyes were like when the subways flooded and then lower manhattan went dark and it's like this is happening here it's not a future thing it's not a developing country thing it's happening here in new york city uh so and the same thing last year with the fires in california like when the sky over san francisco goes pitch black dark in the middle of the day like that's not something that should happen <laughs> like your inner animal instinct to starts to kick in is like what the hell is happening what where should i go what should i do and there are only like there are only a few thousand meteorologists in the world you know right now like i think that in those moments meteorology becomes extremely valuable so the, like the goal for me is <laughs> yeah the goal for me is to build the infrastructure for those moments which is like trust and community and, um, you know, familiarity and, um, kind of like courage of the meteorologist to kind of say what needs to be said in those moments. So I was going to ask about audience. that actually, you know, from a, from a trust perspective. Um, and by the way, um, uh, Mike Park, who, who actually heads up, I guess, long form, um, at Twitter. Yep. Um, he's yep. also here and he's been invited up, um, and happy to have him here. I do yep. want to remind everyone that this is being recorded. It's going to be released as a space cast, um, tomorrow. So just so that we have that context, but I, I, I was interested in, in the trust part because there is an interesting angle where we haven't really talked too much. I think, you know, culturally about myths or disinformation around weather and around the consequences of that, what you're doing. And I was, you know, half joking if you're creating the weather Avengers, but like being out in front of this and giving people trustworthy information about how to respond. Right. Because if someone tells you, Oh no, it's okay. You can stay. And there's this like hurricane coming, you know, and, and you don't leave. And then 
you run out of food or water or, you know, your house gets flooded or, you know, you end up on the you know roof because you can't uh, escape. Like these are real life and death, you know, decisions. So. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road with available H track, all wheel drive and three row seating. My whole family can head deep into the wild conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To what degree, you know, I guess I'm I'm asking both about your personal, given your own experience, um, in in terms of being that trusted voice and, and, and also Twitter's role in, you know, kind of delegating deputies of information veracity, you know, given like their verified program. And, and I don't want to, you know, like dive too much into that, but given what we've seen in terms of the impact of misinformation in, in social media, especially around the coronavirus, I got to imagine that weather misinformation is a whole class of, of stuff that we haven't even really started to think too much about. Oh, it really is. I mean, the last 20 years we've been fighting climate denial. Um, and that has really been a material setback, not only for, this profession oh, of meteorology, I mean, like, that's like the original world, disinformation, right? For the like, world, climate change is right? not real. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this started seventy years ago in the oil industry, where they were literally funding PR folks to uh, prom- prom- uh, develop and promote disinformation so that they could keep their business model, and it and it has worked for seventy years, right? So, like, if you have enough money, you can fund the, you can change the truth, which um, which is not. Um, you know, well, like I, I'm hiring folks that are explicitly willing to talk about climate change and the connection with, um, with the weather. Um, I feel like that's where we are as a world, like we're ready to have that conversation. And there's some social science, um, that says that in the days, um, during and immediately after a major weather event, that's when folks are willing to have the conversation about climate and policy and where do we go from here and how do we restructure society so that we can have a more safer world. Um, so that's really where we're um, in terms of, you know, in the like people, and this is the thing, it's like, you know, science is true whether or not you believe it. So, um, so but it's different levels of truth for different people. So, you know, the same, same heat wave can hit different neighborhoods, um, you know, neighborhoods that were redlined or, uh, um, you know, there, there are like racist aspects of society that manifest onto the weather. So a hundred degree heat wave, you need to be paying attention to folks who are most vulnerable and directing your message to them to keep them safe. And that goes with who you choose as a communicator. Who do you have, how do you foster those conversations before the weather event happens so that they know um, what they need to do to stay safe? That's- are you planning 
are you planning to expand or what, what's the expansion plan beyond the 16 U S cities? And is it U S only for now? Sure. It's not U S only right now. We have uh, someone in uh, the Dominican Republic. Um, okay. Uh, who is kind of like the Al Roker of Latin America, which is cool. Um, <laughs> and we have, um, yeah, expansion plans for India and Brazil in um in europe um places where that have a high twitter penetration rate you know i'm going to start with places where where they're already using twitter already familiar with it and um where there is a, a meteorology infrastructure that we don't have to like train our own meteorologists but i imagine eventually we'll get to the point where we will you know maybe one day we'll be like substack and like funding uh, meteorology degrees for people to, to be trained and, and go out there and and learn what needs to happen. But I'm also really, really interested in reimagining this idea of expertise and having community. You know, like I, I, I told, um, I told folks as I was hiring um, to kind of use weather as a writing prompt rather than a literal um, description of what the weather is going to be like. I would love to have like, like we hired a person, a woman in, in San Francisco who uh, is a poet and is going to be kind of talking about what it, what the weather means for her community, not just what the weather is. Yeah. So like anyone can get the 72 and sunny, so we can put that on the top of the page. But if we say like, what does it mean to be in the East Bay today with this straight streak of heat wave and, you know, like try to provide resources for folks. Um, you know, I think that's a little bit more important than just getting the temperature and rainfall. So uh, I, I want to pop in here real quick. I did pin a tweet um, to a really, really excellent podcast called Drilled, uh, which goes into the history of mis- and disinformation from specifically the oil industry and how so much of the advertising uh, methodologies that were started in the 30s um, have really persisted into the modern day. So highly recommended yeah. we'll have listening. We will have Amy Westervelt, who does drilled, um, on oh, our nice. first week next week. Amazing. Yep. I, I wanted to, to bring up Mike, though, real quick here, because I think, you know, Mike maybe can help put some of the strategy into broader context. Um, you know, certainly <laughs> Twitter obviously has been known for its brevity um, and perhaps, you know, for poetics. I would love to, to, to hear sort of a sense for whether or if, you know, whether is the first you know, if you will, lightning rod for where this all comes together and it starts to, you know, produce, um, you know, whether it's different, you know, feature directions or, or, or product development, um, or what just like the overall kind of like thinking and strategy is, whether this is, you know, one of many or one that's going to be sort of, you know, dug into for a little while and developed and then to see how the learnings maybe can lateralize into other verticals or other domains. Mike. Sure. Hey, Chris. Hey. Um, Thanks also for the disclaimer for the space cast. It's kind of like the disclaimer when it's like, can I record your screen? Is, <laughs> exactly. is, is that cool? <laughs> um, so we, we have to do that now. Thank you. Um, I, I first want to say this was total serendipity. I was just popping open Twitter. This was Perfect. not planned. And I saw Eric and you chatting. <laughs> I was so. like, oh, is this like his boss? Like, oh, oh no, did I get him in trouble? <laughs> it's like, hey, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah, so well, first I wanted to say like uh, – um, the, to the trust factor you were talking about before, before we talk about long form things yeah, is yeah. Eric, um, you know, made his claim to fame was like saving lives in Sandy using Twitter, which I think I'm not yeah, sure if everybody knows huge. that, oh, like yeah. he was literally 
calling the storm for New York City days ahead. And I, what I love about tomorrow is, um, you know, it's a network of people who are going to do similar things. And Actually, can I just like, I, I want to add yeah. a little anecdote there, because I think this is really important for people to understand both about the nature of Twitter and also how its job to be done has been there from the beginning. And it just, you know, give me like two minutes. But in the in the origin story for the hashtag, the reason why the hashtag became powerful and useful was because I had a friend, Nate Ritter, who was down in San Diego um, during the wildfires that were happening back in 2007. This was in October. So I, I, I wrote up and came up with the idea for the hashtag in August, published it. Twitter said it was stupid. I was like, fine. And then Nate had, you know, basically like this horrible situation going on down there. And the essentially the system that was there to give people the information for how and when to evacuate wasn't working. And so he realized that he could use SMS to broadcast messages to his friends and family who were in San Diego about what was going on because he had access to the television and to the radio and things like that. So all the way back in 2007, we were using Twitter for this purpose. So it's just great to hear kind of like over time how we've continued to come back to that original and core use case. Continue. And now it's a daily newsletter. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, I think I think what to frame sort of what we're doing here is um, what tomorrow's using is this publisher tier of review where basically multiple writers can band together and create a brand and send out those issues as often as they like. There's a incentive model, paid subscription model. Um, you know, any paid money comes in to tomorrow and he distributes it to the to the writers. And um, I think it's sort of a fun future to play with where, you know, large, large media organizations kind of squint and look at newsletters like they have newsletters today, but they're not using them in a way to deliver value directly to readers. And what we hope to see is more tomorrows out there. It's, I don't think it's definitely not just weather. It's, um, it's, it's, tomorrow, it's every topic that's popular on, on Twitter. <laughs> you know, three people can come together, create a, a writer band, mm. create a newsletter and immediately start driving revenue or not just make it free. I mean, honestly, that's what, that's what we're doing with Spacecasts. So I was going to say yeah. that reminds me of a little uh, podcast uh, collective. Um, um, this is Brian, uh, uh, Mike, jumping in here real quick. Um, one of the things that I've always been fascinated with, even, you know, the earliest days of Substack and things like that, like is, is, is the local space, the local angle to this. And, you know, we're always decrying the death of local journalism, local media. So I'm curious to what degree, and, and this is also for Eric too, to what degree your thinking about this is, no, we're serving a need within a fucking zip code or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like this is, this is, what we're we can rush into this sort of uh, vacuum and and provide a service that is 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 going away for a lot of people. Yeah, I'll, I'll let Eric opine on that. Um, just briefly from our side, local location has always been an opportunity for Twitter. Um, you know, you can follow a city now as a topic, but when you do. I think we still have a lot more signal that to give noisy. you. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a hard problem to solve, right? There's so many tweets about a particular location. Or do you do that based on geocode, or do tweets. you do it based on like words for for topic classification? Yeah, yeah. There's um, there's there's a whole there's a whole system behind it, but generally, okay. a majority of tweets are annotated based on keywords and okay. based on. Uh, you know, the, what those types of accounts Man, I would love for Twitter about. to have like the snap map 
that would be just be like super rad. But anyways, yeah. Okay, continue. Good, a good uh, a good API implementation right there. Yeah. Um, but Eric, maybe maybe you can talk a little bit more about the local strategy. Yeah, I mean, weather is always local. So that was for me. It was more of just like a natural way to break down the workload. Um, and I think that you know we going back to trust, you know, like if there's someone, there's a, if there's a voice that you've been following specifically, and this is where kind of like the Substack model comes in, like people are subscribing to voices and are subscribing to individual creators rather than subscribing to the Washington post. So, I mean, there, like you can also subscribe to the Washington post, but I also, you know, I want, I want voices that I trust. So that works with weather really well. Um, where we have, you know, weather writers that are going to be, you know, living there in the community with the readers that read them. Uh, but when, when the time gets, um, you know, critical or dire, we can amplify those voices around the world. You know, we can, I can, I can push, um, what the writer in Houston is doing out to the entire network, um, if I want to. Uh, um, or in the reverse, we can use um, meteorologists from places where the storm is not hitting to help support the folks in Houston um, while that storm, you know, to answer reader questions, to um, to run the space, to run the um, the conversation in the Twitter community, you know, to 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 do the kind of nuts and bolts work that needs to be done so that the person who has been the trusted voice can remain at front and center and kind of focus on the storm and focus on getting the word out or like contextualizing the event. So I want to ask one more, I guess, sort of, you know, question in this, in this uh, realm Um, specifically in in this, you know, I think Eric, you were here for the beginning of this conversation, Mike, I don't think you were, but specifically around some of Facebook's announcements today around their messenger unification and around businesses and brands being able to get in touch directly with people. And that's kind of what you're talking about here, or at least one of the the value props is having kind of, I mean, it's not exactly having a meteorologist on speed dial, but you know, a speed DM perhaps. And one of the things that I'm just very, very disappointed with and frustrated with on the Twitter side, and this is not meant to be sort of, you know, a rant against Twitter, but in terms of a missed opportunity, you know, DMs, group DMs, all that functionality feels like it's just, you know, stuck in the dark ages relative to where some of your competitors are. And so my question, I guess, you know, Eric, from your perspective is given, you know, that you were spending, you know, 16 hour days trying to DM people, um, what, what is your thought on what could happen to evolve Twitter's own, whether it's automated messaging or just kind of that tooling, because newsletters is one way to do broadcast, but the DM piece feels so valuable and so important. And just, it's just not there yet. Yeah. I pay attention to DMs in the way that I never pay attention to email. Like I am just living on Twitter during those events. And, and I think that, you know, I've been approached by no fewer than two, uh, startups uh, that are trying to get me to demo, you know, DM plus, like whatever DM add on that they've come up with um, to say like, here we've, we fixed Twitter DMs cause they weren't fixing it. You know, like they've yeah. neglected it. Right. And so w- w- that's a missed opportunity. Here's a way to reach the people who follow you in uh, very smart ways. Um, and, and, um, 
you know, this is a built-in audience. These are your super fans. Um, and, and right now there's no, like, there's not even a reliable way to search your DMS right now. So I, I agree, but it's a preach, preach, yeah. preach. <laughs> I don't know if Mike has anything to say to offer. In this. The only thing I'm, I could say is it's understood and appreciated and we are working on it. <laughs> Great. Um, you know, we, I, I hope folks I've felt the pace of feature building, Oh, for sure, up. just not in DMs. DM is, so DM DMs, is one of those things. You know? Everyone knows. Everyone okay. knows. <laughs> I'm sure it's yep. like a well-known. I just like. I wish there as much you know hustle there as there's been on you know spaces and tipping and all that. So I'll just leave it at that. I understand. You guys understand. Uh, Mike, oh, is, are we making requests? Can, can I, <laughs> <laughs> Eric? Have you used review? I just I'm just gonna throw that out there. Have you Have you used it? And then Mike can fix it for us. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. No, I, I think. I think review is awesome. Um, and, um, review is kind of what I wanted. Um, when, um, cause I also have a sub stack and I'm going to maintain the sub stack, um, and have the prime, like my primary personal climate writing on the sub stack because I feel like that, um, works for an individual in the way that review works for groups. Um, mm, interesting. So, um, so I think that, um, at least for me, um, having, having, uh, review and having, um, the ability to kind of like collectively brand, um, and also, um, um, you know, the, the team at review has been amazing to work with in, in sort of like, um, co-build, um, some of the stuff with, you know, like talking back and forth a little bit about what I'm the bugs that I'm finding the feature requests that I have in trying to see, um, you know, using me as the test case for what a big publisher might want. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a really good experience. And I'll chime in to say that a lot of what Eric is doing, he is, uh, very early, I think, in leveraging a lot of the things we want to build yeah. around review. So, for example, um, a simple card or button on your profile page to help drive new subscribers. These, there's some really basic low-hanging fruit things that we're going to be doing. And also, you know, I think as a writer, you put so much effort into an issue or publishing, you should have a notification for that. So your followers should be notified when a new issue is available, right? Um, we have notification for tweets, but a newsletter, an article, a thread, these, these longer things that you put more effort in deserve better discovery surface areas. Yeah, 100%. That's, so I have both a Substack newsletter and a review newsletter, and the reason I wanted to diversify uh, for my personal one is because I wanted. I was hoping that, you know, because Twitter acquired review, there would be some synergies there just i just haven't seen them yet so i'm really excited once those start trickling in the synergy will come <laughs> real, real quick mike. i hate myself for using that word real quick mike uh you're you're suggesting and to that end you're suggesting that like there's there's so many things to come the if you're on the product team at twitter right now um is it is it a thousand flowers blooming? Let's try all the things or do you, well, you, you wouldn't be able to answer this. Like, are, are you rowing in a specific direction or are you trying to, are you, are you throwing things against the wall and see what sticks right now? Yeah, I think so backing way up, we had a three-year plan that we are about halfway through 
And those objectives haven't changed. It's around interests, it's around conversation and health, and making Twitter easier to use, like around the world, just making it more performant. And then there are areas, which I'll say like long form is one, which is Greenfield. It's something, frankly, that we probably should have done years ago, which is like make it easier to read articles, uh, make threads easier to create and read, um, elevate things like newsletters throughout the platform. So in, in those types of buckets, we want to move quickly. Uh, you don't want to overthink things. We want to try it. We want to move quickly. So you've got sort of longer-term investments, and then you've got areas that where we're trying to be a little bit more nimble and, and move faster. You know, it's just like, I know this is going to be like a crazy, stupid idea, but like in some ways it just sort of seems like just in the way that Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp are kind of like all one thing now, it's sort of like Twitter needs to reabsorb medium and just bring these things together. Cause honestly, I can't tell which one I should be publishing on. And they kind of have similar overlapping features at this point and they're kind of owned by the same people. So it's just kind of like, <laughs> like given what you just said, it just, that would almost like make more sense, but just come together. <laughs> I mean, medium, the experience of writing in medium is, is a lot better than the experience in writing and review. And it's kind of like review has to reinvent that. And it would save a lot for sure. If only that were the way it was. Um, all right, guys, we've been going for an hour and a half. This is really great. Uh, despite, you know, my, my getting stuck into a black hole someplace. Um, I guess I'll, I'll offer um, Eric and Mike, any last parting thoughts um, before we wrap today? Um, I would just say, yeah, thanks for having um, this conversation. And it's really um, exciting for me as kind of like a super user of Twitter to like <laughs> to be um, out there and and um, trying to be, you know, like I just turned 40 this year. Like I'm mid career now. I have to realize that I don't, I don't have to pull 18 hour days anymore. Like I have, I can, I can change the the system that I've been working in this entire time. So that's kind of what I'm doing, like to see the weather ecosystem and the Twitter ecosystem as it exists right now and kind of imagine what I would want it to be ideally, um, and then go out there and do it. Like that's really kind of what I'm trying to be. And I'm just grateful for Twitter, uh, Twitter's help so far. The only thing I'll add is I always wanted to be a meteorologist. I couldn't <laughs> hack the calculus. <laughs> I'm a secret weather nerd. Jess wow. is on here. She knows that she is too. So I'm stoked <laughs> to be partnering with Eric. Um, and also just, just happy you all uh, had me on here for a second and are interested in what we're up to. Yeah. And I'm, I'm also glad that we got to like talk about a whole different angle of the Twitter story, uh, which I think has not only been, I don't know if it's been undercovered, but um, it's a different nature of this conversation, which I think is great as opposed to just sort of being broad based about the creator economy in general. It's sort of like, let's talk about how this actually meets, you know, a need that people have. So I'm super excited yeah. about that. Um, awesome. All right. Like, uh, like we said uh, at the beginning, this is going to be put out in the new brand new SpaceCast uh, podcast. Um, we were on Product Hunt yesterday. We did pretty well. If you guys want to go check it out and offer some support, that would be lovely. We also have a very nice short link if you want to subscribe to the podcast at pod.link slash spacecasts. So super simple, super easy. Um, that's where you can find the whole kind of, or just, um, search wherever you're listening wherever right you're, now, you're fine. <laughs> podcasts are pervade, but if, you know. you, if you're listening after the date, uh, search for spacecasts. Yeah. Anyone listening to this, it'll be live tomorrow morning. And I also want to point out, 
that uh, Emil uh, is one of our uh, SpaceCast uh, contributors to this collective. He does the big tech news. If you search SpaceCast right now, you'll hear um, his first contribution to the collective talking about Amazon acquiring MGM, Facebook suing India, a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm Wait, sure Facebook he'll have suing another. India? Oh, I'm sorry. Amazon. Uh, uh, yes. Wait. You Facebook can sue a country? What? You know what? Uh, that was last week. Yes. Okay, that was last week. A lot's happened. Okay, so just go go, go find that episode. Now I've got to go. Find yes, that yes, episode. yes. Okay. Got it. Anyway, so yes, uh, SpaceCast, great. Uh, we love all of our contributors. Join us if you are doing Twitter Spaces and contribute as well. Uh, thank you, Chris. Awesome. All right, thanks, guys. We'll be back here probably next week. Thanks, y'all. Bye. I like the crickets. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>